Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of Love is Everywhere, the podcast. The show where I give comedians assignments of things that are supposed to make you happier. And then we talk about it and we find out how it went. Today's guest is Al Val. Oh my goodness, am I ever excited for you to hear this episode. This was such a wonderful, uplifting, sincere conversation. I, oh my gosh, I, this is just one of those ones that I just, I truly loved every minute of this recording. And I really hope that you guys find it as meaningful and special as I did. Um, Al's assignment was around self-esteem and gratitude. Um, I feel like this is a really easy exercise for you to replicate at home. And I feel like it's just really jam-packed with some happiness-boosting properties, sort of like a happiness multivitamin, you know? It's got that happiness zinc, that happiness folic acid, that happiness other vitamins, you know? <laughs> it's just, it's really jam-packed with goodness, this one. It's very, very nutritious for your happiness system. Um, if you want to support Al's work in general, uh, they just did an amazing taping for uh, CBC Gem has the series called The New Wave of Stand-Up. Uh, so you can check Al out on there. Um, it's available online. So it's easy peasy. You don't have cable? That's fine. We got you covered. Uh, but really, you don't want to miss this one. Um, Al is just such an incredible performer and has such an infectious energy. I think you're absolutely going to love their work. Um, and if you want to follow Al on social media, uh, it's at Al Val Comedy on Instagram and Twitter. Um, <laughs> Al said that he tweeted 50 times today. So you know you're getting that content. There's no shortage of tweets for you to look at. <laughs> and if you want to support this podcast in general, uh, you can do all the things the podcasts like, you know, like, like us, rate rate us, uh, subscribe to us, leave us a review. I would love, I would really love to see more reviews because I would love to, to know what you guys think. Like uh, this week, I'll ask if, uh, if there's any episode that really touched your heart um, or anything that you found particularly useful in an episode. I would love to hear what episodes really stood out to you. So if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, I would really love to read them. Um, and if you want to follow me on things, you can follow me at, at Hamiltrace. And in the meantime, please enjoy this conversation with Al Val. Al Val, welcome. Thank you for bearing with me through the many technical issues that we're having today. That's all right. I'm just relieved it's not my fault this time for once. It's great. Isn't that Taking the heat off of yourself? Yeah, it's great. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little tired today. It's been a, a bit of a hectic week. We had some health stuff with my dog. She's doing okay. She's fine. Okay, um, but it's been a whole ordeal and she's on medicine and it, it's a whole thing. Oh. Um, that's my honest how are you. We start with an honest how are you. So yeah. how are you, Al? For real. How are you doing? I feel a little manic today. Yeah. But in a in a positive way, I've I've shared like I just rattled off fifteen tweets and statuses in a row, <laughs> yeah. so I'm clogging people's manic. feeds. Sorry, that sounds a little manic. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm clogging people's feeds with whatever mundane, asinine thought crosses my mind. So That's I feel it. pretty good. That's the nice thing about mania is uh, 
an outburst of creative ideas and things like that. That's a good thing. Yeah. And you know what? The crashes uh, are so low and, and common, to be completely honest, mm-hmm. that I've, I've, the positive take from that is that, like, whenever it's good, I really appreciate it for what it is. It feels yeah. great. Oh, I love that. It's all yeah. about gratitude. And I'm all about finding ways to practice gratitude in unusual circumstances. Yeah. Like finding the good in the places that it's hard to find the good in sometimes. Nice. I really like that. Tracy, I can tell I'm going to be taking a lot of things away from this conversation. So I should probably <laughs> get a pen out or something. I'm like, I have my whiteboard right here. So um, if I like cross, if I just do this, yep. <laughs> know that I'm, I'm writing down what you're what you're teaching me that's sweet thank you al should we get into your assignment yes yeah so um we were focusing on positive outlook and self-esteem and self-image with this assignment so i told you uh, that i wanted you to make a list of five qualities about yourself that you think are really great uh five of your personal strengths things that you admire and love about yourself Uh, so how did that go um before I get into it, I got to say, as an exercise, um, I, I noticed uh, it's, it's a great exercise in being mindful while you're doing the exercise. You know what I mean? Like I, I would um, engage with any sort of negative thought that started creeping in. Like every time I had a positive, every time I engaged with some positive opinion of myself, there would always be that negative voice that came in to try and toxify, to poison it. But when you're doing this exercise, you start to notice that habit and you start yeah. to confront it as you go along. So I'm not that really interested. something that you noticed about this because that is such a thing. And like we have, uh, it's very easy for us to put ourselves down and it's very difficult for us to give ourselves praise. So a lot of the time when you go to praise yourself intentionally, the negative voice comes in and is like, no, 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 wait, that's not what we do. You're going to have to find a way to spin this as some kind of negative quality that you actually get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not only that, but um, afterwards, I did the exercise with my roommate where we mutually gave each other five qualities. Oh, I and love I, that. And I became uh, conscientious of the fact that um, a lot of the time when I compliment somebody, I have to also uh, demean myself in the process. Mm. You know what I mean? Like whenever, mm-hmm. whenever I say somebody, thanks for putting up with me, it's like, yeah. Uh, I can compliment somebody's patience without having to dig a knife in my own chest, really. Exactly. You know? Or like it happens a lot with um, like appearance-based things. Like uh, you'll compliment somebody on like, oh, your hair looks so good. Mine is such a mess and I can't blah, blah, blah. Like the instinct is that, yeah, you can't raise somebody up and you lower yourself at the same time. Totally. It doesn't have to be like that. Never. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So um uh do you want me to list these off or or kind yeah, of sure, elaborate we'll talk a little bit about each one cool um my first thing was uh i wrote i have a i have a tenacity for putting myself out there yes you so, do i highly <laughs> agree with that talk more yeah so i i take a lot of risks and some don't work out but uh i i'm braver than i give myself credit for and, and I find that a lot of the time I, I call myself a coward. I call myself the opposite of what I, I truly 
should give I should give myself a lot more credit for my my courage and my bravery and my ability to to roll the dice, take a chance, and 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 it's not that I don't I like I really care what people think. So I think it takes a certain level of bravery to do things on my own terms despite the fear of judgment, which is which mm-hmm. it it consumes me. So yeah, absolutely. Well, there's that saying of like, being brave doesn't mean that you're not scared. It's being scared and doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? And that, that I think is true of you, where like you, it's a very admirable quality to be able to take a lot of risks and put yourself in situations where you're like, this might not work out. Like, this might blow up in my face. I might fail here. That's scary. And I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, that's a huge thing. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't have or have to work very intentionally on kind of cultivating for themselves. I know that that's true of me for sure, that I'm a person who's very risk averse. Uh, Mm -hmm. If there's a chance that I'm going to fail at something or if putting myself out there is risky in some kind of way, then I'm probably just not going to do it. And then I'm going to rob myself of the opportunity to maybe been successful at that thing or Maybe it would have gone really well. Maybe this risk would have paid off. Uh, but the fear holds me back a lot of the time. So that's a quality that I really admire in you too. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I also have to say it's, it's, a, it's, it's a muscle. It's an exercise. You know what I mean? In, in, uh, in practicing that thought pattern. That's like uh, taking those what ifs. And I, it may not be the healthiest approach, but I, I just ignore them. I basically compartmentalize them in a place where I can't engage with them or, or I beat them to the punch. Like if I've done something wrong and I need to uh, own up to it and face the consequences, I, I do my best to waste as little time as possible worrying about those consequences mm-hmm. and, just, and just dumbing down all those voices and just saying, do it and, and face what happens after because it's going to eat at you until you until you do, you know? Absolutely, yeah. What was the yeah. next thing on your list? So the next thing is, uh, I think I'm a pretty empathetic, compassionate person. That's so, an important one. Yeah, I, I think I have, I, I see the humanity in everybody and I'm not, I'm, uh, I don't judge. I'm, I, I take my time in assessing a person's character mm-hmm. and I, I sympathize and empathize with a lot of their experiences. So a lot of the time, whenever people wrong me, this may not be the most uh, healthy coping mechanism, but whenever I feel hurt or wronged, usually bordering on making excuses for them, but I think it's still a positive trait to like, to analyze, you know, what if they're going through something where, where we all have our bad days? Maybe I don't think that that's something. an unhealthy thing at all. I think if anything, that is the healthier approach uh, because it's a, a way of keeping yourself from taking it personally as well. Mm-hmm. Because most of the time, like, if somebody's being an asshole, it's very rarely about you, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, if somebody's yeah. treating you poorly or being, like, just a dick about something, it's usually because they're going through something or they're lacking some kind of tools to deal with the situation, and so they're maybe dealing with it poorly. Uh, so I think that it's a really good place to come at, like, with empathy first in any yeah. situation of just looking at like, okay, this isn't about me right now. Like something might be going on with this person. 
So I'm not going to absorb whatever negativity they're throwing my way and take it to be that there's something wrong with me that I'm bringing this out in this other person. Yeah, I totally agree. My, my struggle is uh, adding on that last part. Mm-hmm. where where I don't take it personally that where because, there's something wrong with you yeah 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 there's something that I've triggered that made it worse in them or something like that you know so I do have that positive quality but I think I use it to self-flagellate which yeah. is not healthy well sure. if you already have the baseline of being able to empathize with other people and kind of imagine like maybe they're going through something I think that it will be a natural next step for you to work on like using that to recognize that it's not your fault that mm-hmm. somebody else is behaving poorly. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get Agreed. <laughs> I've, it's, uh, may I just say I feel nice and warm in my tummy and in oh, my heart. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's something, Tracy, I just love that this podcast exists, first of all. And I love that it's, it's, for lack of a better word, it's part of your brand, but it's just who you are as a very positive, uh, compassionate, loving person. And, and I think the world is a better place for having you just, just doing this positive stuff and just putting yourself out there like this. Alex, you can make me cry like 10 minutes into the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I could feel myself welling up a little bit too. I don't know. The world needs more of it. So don't stop. Thank you for participating in it. You're part of it now. Yeah, I'm honored. And I feel like you participate in the world that way as well. I try. (laughs) Uh, Okay, okay, number three. (laughs) We're good. We're going to fan our eyes a little bit. Yeah. All right. Uh, Number three. Uh, I I like, I'm unique. And uh, again, this is, this is one of the things that I had to fight off the negative voice mm-hmm. that tries to unqualify these things, if that's a word. Um, the voice that says like, everybody thinks they're unique and when everybody's unique, no one is. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I have to like deliberately shut that voice up to, to really take a step back and, and appreciate the the quirks and and the chaos that I add into the world uh and I think that's really I think that's special and it's not and and sometimes I overevaluate how much of it is forced how much of it I'm is performative how much of it I'm I'm doing just for the sake of standing out just mm-hmm. to want to feel special yeah where you're like if I give myself value on my uniqueness then I'm maybe I'm going to perform more uniqueness to get more of that kind of self-validation of like, I am different than everybody else and that's what makes me special and that's what makes me important. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So uh, it's it's a quality I don't want to uh, overindulge in because then I it might blur the line between performance and authenticity. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do appreciate the things about me that are very authentically me that uh, I just, I, I walk to the beat of my own drum and I really, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I, 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 whenever I think about this stuff, I always think about Mr. Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> he always, he, that was one of like the things that he said all the time. Is he was like, there, there's nobody else in the whole world quite like you. 
and there never ever will be again. Oh. God love Mr. Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> My face is is burning right now. <laughs> it's on fire. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I just uh, yeah. And I think it's um, recognizing that you're unique is is is, is a tough thing to do internally on your own mm -hmm. because you have no real frame of reference. You've only ever looked. At the world you've only ever been you so you yeah. don't really know what it's like to be anybody else yeah exactly so you kind of take your cues on that from other people mm -hmm. and um one recurring theme that's always happened throughout my life was every time uh let's say at a job or something i was told to do a task uh somebody would come up to me and be like why why did you do it like this like it's done but you did it in the most roundabout, bizarre, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, there was a clear path that yeah. anybody could have saw. And you just, you somehow just went, <laughs> congratulations, but why did you do it like that? <laughs> so I think it's a lot moments. of it's, it's not until adulthood, sadly, that we start looking at our uniqueness as a positive quality. Of being like yeah. oh like the fact that i'm special and weird and different in all of these ways is what makes me special and unique and like it's a positive quality i feel like when you're a little bit different and you're growing up the message is you're weird and you're broken like if you're not like everybody else that's wrong yeah and uh, so did you get teased when you were growing up or bullied or anything like that um I still fit in pretty well because I, th I think I just read the situation mm -hmm. in every case and, and I knew what I had to do to fit in. And humor is always a great tool to... Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also... I didn't have that skill set. I was like, uh, I, <laughs> I, w I wished so badly at the time that I did. It was like, I, everybody points out how weird and strange I am all the time but I can't quite seem to figure out how to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not really sure what it is that I'm doing that's making me stand out. I would mm -hmm. like to blend in, um, but I had no success with that. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is unfortunate, like you say, that you only realized the value, the profound value mm -hmm. in, in those qualities until it, you've already suffered through the agony of yeah. being teased for it and ostracized. And I, and this is one thing that's kind of weighed on my conscious, I, I feel really guilty about is, I think about, I mean, all the, all the uh, gender expression that I've been doing, mm -hmm. and, and sort of this late in my life, I say late, but still like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of young, but I came out at 29. And I think about all those wasted years, I could have embraced it, explored it. And, and I think back, to, I remember like the, the especially flamboyant kids growing up were given a hell of a time by everybody. So hard, yeah. Just tortured. And I feel really guilty in my complacency and, and whenever, like I'm sure I, I was with the mob just to fit in out of fear, just to, just to push the attention away from myself. Well, you, so, were, you were just trying to survive yourself. Yeah, exactly. And if, you're, and if you're like, oh, I can kind of see how I can sort of fit myself into a mold to keep from experiencing 
all of this teasing that all of these other kids are getting, then it seems only natural that a kid would do it. I think mm -hmm. like you would have to be a very particular and very like especially spectacular kid to recognize in the moment and stand up for the other kids when they themselves are like, I'm queer and I'm gender fluid and I'm hiding it all from even myself maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really difficult. I like, because uh, I'm, I'm queer, I'm bisexual, and I came out sort of late as well, um, which is pretty common with bisexual people in general. Mm -hmm. um, I came out at, uh, I guess it was in like 24, 25, okay. and it was only maybe 27 that I came out to my family. Right. And uh, I think, because with you, it's like uh, you're attracted to all genders and you yourself go between both genders as well. Mm -hmm. And anytime that you're both of something, like being bisexual myself, you have the option to be like, okay, I'm just going to protect myself by only identifying with this one half of me. Right. So I'm just going to be the straight half. <laughs> yeah. so for the sake of making everybody else comfortable um and also i know for me it was also a matter of like oh well like am i gay no no i'm not gay because i like i am attracted to men like oh well i guess i'm just straight then mm -hmm. and like not being able to fully absorb and identify with the other part of yourself i think yeah. it takes maybe for a lot of people until adulthood before you're comfortable enough with yourself and you're sure enough in what you want and what you care about that you feel comfortable mm -hmm. and and uh i'm not sure if you're like me in the sense that i do construct a lot of my identity around the opinions of others and and i take the opinions of others uh, with a lot more um validity than my own a lot of the time so uh one thing that I've that I've learned over the course of my self-exploration ever since I came out is that a lot of people will tell me what I am. And that's always been an interesting experience because my impulse is to ingest every opinion and chew on it, but I'm giving it way too much time and I'm losing that trust in my own gut. So a lot of the things that I get from a lot of people are like, especially gay men are like, you're gay, this, this cross-dressing thing is a phase and you're just running from it but that just doesn't it just doesn't feel right it doesn't sit so it's a really frustrating thing like i think people like categories and they like for everything to fit neatly in a box so if you're something that fits in a couple of boxes and you're sort of between things that makes people really uncomfortable and they don't really know how to process it so they're just like oh okay um you must just belong in this one box and you're just, you think that you belong in a couple. Yeah. Like totally. with me, it's um, uh, like straight men think that I'm probably just gay and gay women think that I'm probably just straight. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. like, I can only, <laughs> I only feel truly understood by my friends who are also bisexual and understand <laughs> what it is to be. Yeah mean you know and and part of the struggle of bisexuality is that if you are in a monogamous relationship with whichever gender people are just automatically going to assume that yes winning that one way you know yeah if uh if i'm in a relationship with a woman then i'm gay and if i'm in a relationship with a man then i'm straight as far as yeah. the world is concerned whereas totally. like you really like you're still existing in your own <laughs> in your own 
body and mind still, like you're still both. <laughs> like I'm still gay when I'm dating a man and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was the next thing on your list? Um, number four. Um, I, I am also, I'm also smarter than I give myself credit for. And I wrote intelligent fool. So I think part of, part of my brand, I keep using that word, but it's the only thing that's coming to mind. It's okay. Um, and like as performers and stuff like that, that's like, it makes sense to think right. of those terms because we're performing as this kind of self-constructed persona. Um, so there is an, an element of like branding around yeah, this, this heightened public. version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I wrote intelligent fool and I've always thought that it takes, it takes a smart person to trick other people into thinking they're dumb. Mm -hmm. And I think I've cultivated, uh, on stage and off this, this, uh, um, disarming quality that makes people feel like I am intellectually beneath them or I'm on some level that is disarming to a lot of people when really uh, I'm, I'm a lot smarter than <laughs> myself and a lot of people give credit for. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the qualities that I like. I think it's, it's, it settles people into a comfortable place because um, they don't have to worry about jousting with me. I don't claim to be smarter than anybody, but I'm smart enough to, uh, to deliberate and engage and, and discuss. And I think that's, that's pretty cool that I'm deceptively wise. <laughs> I like that phrasing of it, deceptively wise. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at least I hope so. I don't know. See, it's it's no, that. Not that. I forget who said it. Maybe it was Socrates. But it was like the more I the more I learn, the more I realize what I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I've always thought it was this weird fallacy to claim. To know a lot or to claim to be smart because the more you're aware the more you're aware of what you don't know the more you're aware of your ignorance so you can see how my brain works in contradictions like that it's a very confusing space to occupy you know um and then number five um some of these kind of follow the same sort of trend but i wrote uh people people will often remember me for the way i make them feel I think that's a beautiful I, one. I love that. That's my favorite on the list so far. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I, I think I, I'm, I'm good at, I'm good at connecting hearts with people yeah. for lack of a better term. I'm good at, uh, human, humanizing the experience mm -hmm. and, and connecting with people and, and finding good things to say about anybody. I think they're, you, you make the world a better place with every compliment you pay to somebody, so. Absolutely, and uh, I think like the beautiful thing about having that magic in you of being able to connect hearts with people is that you don't realize probably how much that means to the people that you connect with. Yeah. Right, like and it's so rare, it seems, that you get that experience of like true connection another person and you don't know how badly that person might have needed to connect with someone or how much that person needed to feel seen by somebody and if you're able to do that for other people that's a huge gift to the world absolutely i think it it definitely connects back to uh the point i made after number two 
about how everybody's fighting their own demons, everybody's struggling with something. So uh, it's true that you know you never know. You never know the profound impact a, a positive word or just a little body contact, a hug could mean yeah. to somebody. Man, how badly I would love a hug. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Ugh. Have you, okay, so I'm curious. Um, have, what is your like isolation experience been like? Like, are, do you have people around you or have you been pretty much by yourself during this time? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough to live with my best friend. My roommate oh. is my best buddy and we love each other very much. I hope he can hear me through the wall. <laughs> but uh, you and I are both people who kind of measure a bit of our worth based on how other people are reacting to us or what other people think about us. And what I've been finding in my experience is being isolated has been a, a real eye-opening experience for me because mm -hmm. I don't have anybody around me except for my roommate. But yeah. I, I don't have anybody praising me. I don't have anybody to tell me that I'm smart or nice or whatever it is. Like, I, I don't have access to the outside opinions as much. So what I'm finding is that uh, I'm practicing how to give myself the praise and how to give myself the validation. And uh, it's a, oof. <laughs> it's, a, it's a journey. It's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's another muscle you really have to exercise. And, and that's what's so interesting about this quarantine experience is everything, everybody, the outside noise quiets down and you, yeah. and you start speaking to yourself, not in a crazy way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, you realize you are, you're just much more uh, aware of the conversations that you have with yourself. Yes. And you realize that the positive talk muscle, you just realize how strong you've been keeping it and how inflexible and crappy it is. It can't run for four minutes without yep. <laughs> heaving fucking toxic gas out of its lungs. I think it's also easy too, like if your brain is looking for some kind of balance, if you're getting enough praise from the outside world, then there's not going to be a whole lot of motivation to turn down the, the volume on the negative voice that you use internally because yeah. it's kind of regulated by your outside environment and yeah. the response that you're getting from other people. But if you have less people to respond to you, then it's your job to try and boost up that positive voice to balance out the negative. Mm -hmm. And in turn, you subconsciously use that attention as a distraction from your own, your own negative self-talk because deep down you and I are both aware of how how negatively we can treat our, ourselves mm -hmm. chronically, and so uh, that's why we heave ourselves into the outside validation as a distraction from when that from taking that time to like sit down and do the hard work that is looking at your at the way you speak to yourself. Mm -hmm. And like for I know that you've been doing online shows. I have not been during this time, so. I haven't had the validation of like an audience 
and performing and like filling oh, up no. the gas tank. <laughs> <laughs> it's truly been just my own personal responsibility um, to gas myself up, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how's that been going? How do you feel? I feel okay, actually. Like, um, what's really been standing out to me is like the little moments that I do get some kind of outside validation uh, during this time they land so heavy in my heart. Like they, it means so much to me when I get some kind of praise from somebody right now. And I'm like, am I, it, does it mean that much to me all the time? Like, there's nothing wrong with being like, oh, I'm so happy that this person likes me. That's fine. But it's the like, oh, am I really like that dependent on other people's opinions that like, this is the best I've felt in a long time after having gotten praise on like, you did a good job on this thing. Yeah. So I've been really trying to be very intentional of like, uh, this is an exercise that I use a lot of like, talk to yourself like you're somebody else, like you're a friend. Mm -hmm. So when I'm like judging myself about something or criticizing myself, I'm like, how would a friend look at this? Or like, if you were describing, if a friend were describing this to you, what would you say to them? And trying to give myself the advice that I'd give to somebody else. I really like that. Talk to yourself. Like it's a friend talking to you. I'm writing that on my whiteboard. <laughs> we're so much more critical of ourselves than we ever would be of anybody else. And we're so much more willing to cut ourselves down in a way that we would never ever speak to anybody that we even remotely cared about that way. Yeah. <laughs> like you would yeah. never talk to somebody else that way. Yeah, it would be so cruel. You would walk away from that conversation like, what an unrepentant douchebag what an asshole oh my god so why would you want to like you live in your head with yourself so like you don't want to live with an asshole so yeah. don't be an asshole to yourself <laughs> yeah absolutely um i i love that first of all and and it reminds me of a friend of mine gave me this advice she said that whenever the the negative voice would come up in her head she would give it a name and tell it to fuck off she would yes. be like Fuck off, Deborah. Get the yes. fuck out of here. What are you we doing? We actually did this as an assignment a few episodes ago. Really? Yeah, where <laughs> I, told, I told somebody, it was Jen McAuliffe. I had Jen McAuliffe on, and I told her to give the voice in her, in her head a name and to tell it to fuck off by name all the time. And it is. It's the best. <laughs> I stole it from Katya from RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay. <laughs> and it's, like, extremely effective, especially if you pick a name that you just couldn't possibly respect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's yours? Um, my, mine's usually, <laughs> mine is usually Brenda. Um, just something about the name Brenda, I'm like, I don't take it <laughs> Oh man, that's so great, I gotta think of one. I would give it like something gender neutral. I would, I would just call it clam or something, yeah. <laughs> something like yeah, that. Totally. Something that isn't really yeah, you're a name. Take somebody named clam seriously. <laughs> yeah. Or if there are any are clams listening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> somebody from Bolivia <laughs> named <sorry>. clam. <laughs> sorry, it's, clam. It's super effective though, because uh, it helps you separate the voices a little bit instead of just seeing yourself as this integrated, both positive and negative, it's, it's really helpful to kind of put it outside of yourself and be like, 
oh, the voice that's telling me like, you're not good enough, you don't work hard enough, like nobody takes you seriously, whatever it is, to just be like, fuck off, Brenda. Like, yeah. get out of here with your nonsense. I didn't ask your opinion, you yeah. know? <laughs> you are not needed in this conversation right now. Yeah, yeah. It's a great, it's a great method of ex, extra, extricating yes. that voice from yourself and, and yeah, looking at it from an outsider's perspective. The next stage of that would be to reintegrate that voice, but to not let it drive the car anymore. Mm -hmm. Of like recognizing like all pieces of me are valid and all of the voices in my head are trying to do something good for me, even the negative voice. We're like, what the negative voice is often trying to do is like, it's trying to protect you. It's trying to save you from embarrassment. It's trying to motivate you, right? but it's very rare that it's doing any of those things effectively. Yeah. So it's kind of helpful once you've gotten to the place where you can like move on from having it be a totally separate part of you to putting it back inside and being like, okay, all of this belongs here. All of this is trying to serve me, but what would I, what piece of me would I like to be in charge? Mm -hmm. And That's... to be able to tell the, the negative voice, like, like I appreciate your input. Um, <laughs> like, thank you for trying. I see what you're trying to do here. Uh, but you can take a break. You're not needed today. Go home early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that's a fantastic point. So what was that. it like sitting down with your friend slash roommate and talking to each other? What, what positive qualities did they assign to you? Things that they liked and cared about about you? Uh, it was great. First of all, it was, it was just a really intimate moment. You know, it was awesome. Um, and his first point uh, was that uh, he, it was sort of lumped together in the, it's so his first, the first quality he gave me was that he, he said, I'm always down to laugh and have a good time regardless of the mood mm -hmm. and not in an, in an invasive way. Like I can still read a room. I'm not yeah. coming into a funeral with a fucking clown nose, like mm -hmm. honk, honk, yeah. hey everybody, you know, <laughs> but uh, his point was that, you know, if, if, even if we're having a tough conversation, if one of us is down, I still use levity to, mm -hmm. to connect as a way of connecting with people. And uh, yeah, he, he said that it's always, it's just a good, positive, fun, funny, uplifting vibe that mm -hmm. I give, that I'm always down to clown around and, and to just feel good, just feel good energy, I guess, <laughs> you know, so that's number one. Uh, number two, uh, he said I was really dependable as a friend and very trustworthy. That's a great and one to hear from a friend. Absolutely. That one really profoundly struck me. That was very, very nice to, to hear validated and, and called out because, you know, I, I keep a very tight circle, of course. But the people that I do love, I, I would take a bullet for them. I would I'll always be there for them. I'm getting all emotional now. Mm -hmm. um, You're a good friend. But yeah, it's, and that's really nice to hear. But, you know, the people I love, uh, I'll, I'm there for them. Yeah, you, you know? got the back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
Number three was, uh, I, he also said, I marched to the beat of my own drum. Authenticity in the face of adversity was one of the things he specifically said that, um, yeah, that it was, it's the same point that I, the, the first one that I made about myself, that like, even when it's not the smartest thing to do to not conform, <laughs> even when it's the most dangerous thing, um, I still do it. And uh, I tell a lot of people, like, it takes me a long time when, I, when I'm working at a new place, like a bar or a restaurant, it takes a while for people to get used to my sense of humor, <laughs> you know? I'm, I can be funny on stage, but in person, I don't know why people just need to get used to my weirdness for a while. So usually for the first two weeks, I'm complaining that like, oh man, I'm bombing. Every day I come <laughs> home with a cold sweat. I'm like, I bombed out there. <laughs> Nobody likes me at work. Everybody thinks I'm a weirdo. But uh, that's one of the things that he said that he appreciates about me is that I'll still stick it out. I won't compromise my my uniqueness just to fit in you know um number four uh was uh that i'm grounded despite the chaos or grounded in chaos is what he said and that's that i mean given given the unique lifestyle that i live the 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 quirkiness all the idiosyncrasies of that makes up Al Val. Uh, I'm still very human at my core, and I don't lose sight of um, em empathizing with people and and having real conversations with people. It's never fictitious. It's always grounded in some sort of a reality and a rationale. Yeah, you know? I I totally see what he's saying. Like, because um, you could <clears throat> you could be a person who's like. Uh, very unique and different and, and and stuff but also sort of flighty and in their own world and just looking mm -hmm. out for themselves whereas you are a person who's like you're unapologetically yourself but then you're also like um yeah very grounded like you're really present with people when you're talking to them and like you are much more connected to the people around you mm -hmm present I think is probably the best way to sum that up yeah I stay present when I'm with somebody mm -hmm. uh and then, and then number five was kind of a joke equality but uh he said I have great taste in low-end food so like, <laughs> whenever we order a pizza I'm a whiz at ordering at taking like something as basic as pizza and just <laughs> mixing weird ingredients and yeah and like, I, I make a mean mac and cheese because mm -hmm. I add, like, I, I'm good at taking the very basics, the cheapest, mm -hmm. the cheapest, grossest stuff and working some magic on it. Can I expand that one? Absolutely. So I think that that's indicative of another general quality about you, about taking something, a situation, a food that's ordinary and mundane and adding sparkle and personality to it. I think that that's something that you're good at in general, and it just also manifests itself in your takeout orders. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I'll take it. I love that. Yes, 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 yes. I'll take it a thousand <laughs> times, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, 
that exercise was so fun that I, I did it with my brother too. So he gave me a bunch and uh, it's, That's beautiful. it's great. Yeah. It is such a, such a wonderful thing. Cause we also like, even with the people who we're really close to, there isn't a whole lot of time that we make, make an intentional choice of, I'm going to sit down with you right now and I'm going to tell you what I love about you. And yeah. like carving out that time and doing that really intentionally is so meaningful. And like, mm -hmm. I bet that those conversations will probably stick with you for a long time. Definitely. And, and they're not the most comfortable thing. It's not always no. easy being that intimate and vulnerable with somebody. Yeah, it can be awkward and uh, like being vulnerable is scary. Mm -hmm. And But it goes back to the like, you get a lot out of doing the scary thing anyway. Yeah. And I think with connection with other people, it's especially true. Definitely. Yeah. yeah the, um, like in the, all of the books and stuff and all the talks about like the science of happiness and things like that, the, there are two things that are like most valuable and will most contribute to increasing your happiness. And that's gratitude and connection with others. And this exercise is really both of those things as well, because mm -hmm you're practicing gratitude for the beautiful people that you have in your life. And you're also connecting with them at the same time. It's very like very rich in happiness giving properties. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, I need to exercise. I'm, I'm trying to commit myself to exercising more gratitude mm -hmm. uh, without the guilt. And that's the caveat is that a lot of the time, Again, that self-flagellating impulse. Every time I, I'm grateful for something, there's that associated guilt that I don't deserve it, the mm. shame, uh, the sort of uh, the feeling that now there's a ledger and now I owe them something back oh, in order yeah. to feel balanced out. So that is something that I struggle with that I am tr deliberately becoming more aware of. And awareness is so key, like being internally aware is is the first step to changing these things you can't change anything until you start paying attention to it and mm -hmm. you don't realize how much you do something until you start tuning in right so like now that you've clocked that this is something that you do where you're like oh when i feel gratitude i follow it with shame and guilt now that you're aware of that you're going to start picking up on like oh i do this a lot and then once you're more aware of it that's when you can start getting in the way and you can like feel the gratitude. And then when you start having the shame and guilt creep in, you can be like, Hey, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, Brenda, who invited you? <laughs> I only invited gratitude over. Like I did not ask him to bring a friend. <laughs> yeah, Brenda's some nosy neighbor poking her head in your window while you're right? having like, coffee. You doing? You're... Are you doing <laughs> Shut up, Brenda. Just snap the window. Slam shut. the window shut. Oh. <laughs> He's trying to get in the window. Yeah. <laughs> Brenda knows how to make an entrance, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I you gotta give her credit for that. The like what you described in the shame and guilt and stuff like that. I think that that's something that a lot of listeners will probably be able to relate to of the feeling mm. of like, oh, I got something good, I don't deserve it. I've always used the metaphor that um, that guilt and shame is such a pervasive filter in my life that it's like 
any sort of emotion that I process is is like a a package in the mail, but it's wrapped in guilt and shame. Like mm-hmm. the package itself is guilt and shame. So I have to unpack that. It's basically the vessel that that guides my emotions, and yeah. uh, I I want to change that. I want to strip that packaging away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think that like who you are as a person will lend itself very well to you changing that pattern. Cause I think that you have lots of parts of yourself that you could let be the vessel instead, like, mm-hmm. because you are such a positive person and are able to see so much good in the world and in the people around you that once you're able to kind of turn that on yourself, that I think that that'll be a really beautiful thing and that you'll be like a total pro at it. <laughs> I'm working on it. I mean, coming from you, that means a lot. Because I got to say, Tracy, if there's one person I know who is going to be the first human being ever to like perfectly self-actualize, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> to just turn into like a glowing beacon of light and, and fly off into the heavens, it's you. <laughs> you will transcend your bodily form and, and just disappear and sparkle off into the heavens and then you'll be just a part of the world you'll be inside us all (laughs) you'll be one with earth and everyone oh i can't wait it's gonna be great (laughs) i really hope i'm there for it because i have a really really specific image in my head and it looks magnificent (laughs) (laughs) you're an angel (laughs) Uh, i want to take a minute to talk to you about like you recently had a dream come true and i'm curious about like with your relationship with gratitude and having it all mixed up with the shame and the guilt. What was the experience like of having a dream come true? You did stand up, televised mm. stand up. Yeah. It was fantastic, by the way. Thank you. And uh, how, does it, how does that feel? Like how, how has that sat with you? Oh, I, it's, it's been a whirlwind. It's been a lot to unpack and process on and, and going on still. Um, I was, I was really, pr- I was so proud of it. I am really, really proud of it. It took me 13 years. I've been, I've been doing stand up 13 years, and this was my first breakthrough. It's and you. so it was, it was the culmination of so many tears and getting kicked in the face over and over again and being rejected. And it was just a triumph. It was no less than a triumph for me. And I'm just really proud of it as it exists. And just, and, and that moment I, that being there on that stage, that moment, I just, I felt pure joy, the purest. I'm going to cry. Um, you could see, see the joy. Yeah. Yeah. Mind. I was in just a pure state of play, not a worry in the world. I was so present and I was just eating up every moment. It was awesome. I loved it. Um, so like no one can ever take that away from me and i'm really really proud of it so processing it has been this whirlwind of like that external validation when i posted about it mm-hmm. and and i and you know yep the congratulations still, from other people and yeah yeah but this is where it gets kind of tough is that after the initial 4 days of of the high of it all uh, I'd been drinking a lot to celebrate, mm-hmm. but I'd been alone for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And so the crash after those four days of celebration, when it felt like everybody had kind of moved on mm-hmm. and it felt like 
uh, it was just this moment and, and I'd been forgotten and all that stock that I put in external validation, especially I had this really petty moment. I'm not going to lie where somebody, uh, this article was getting shared on Facebook. That was like top queer comedians to watch in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I was left off the list and, and I know it's so silly to hone in on things like this. Mm-hmm. I had to get talked down by several friends because I just, it really hurt. Understandable. We all have that, that part of ourselves that's a little bit petty and is a little bit like, well, why didn't I get recognized? Yeah. Or recognizing a category of people that I specifically belong to in a city that I live in. Yeah. Why wasn't I recognized? Yeah. I think that that's natural. I think with talking about the like, you have an accomplishment, people celebrate with you for a little while, and then the world moves on and keeps going. I think there's a couple of things that you could sort of try to keep in your head to keep yourself a little more grounded. One thing would be that with things like television, that stuff lives on forever. And you're not going to meet or speak to most of the people who see it. Yeah. So like there are things that like, I don't know, like just for laughs tapings that I watched on television when I was a kid that were from eight years before that, that stuck with me and changed my life or like really opened my mind to things. And that comedian will never know that that had a lasting impact on me. And at the point where it even had the impact, it was like eight years after they had done it. And you don't know who's going to be changed and affected and feel really seen by your work Mm -hmm. on that taping. The other thing is that like talking about the, like the external validation part of it fizzles out and fades after an amount of time. But if you think about like young Al, like Al, let's say 15, maybe even 20 years ago. And how fucking pumped that kid would be. (laughs) He'd be a little confused first, but. (laughs) Comedy on television. You did stand up comedy on television for the world to see. Mm -hmm. And you did it as yourself. (laughs) And it was so much fun. And you were able to be really present. And it, you didn't, you weren't just in your head, nerves, oh, this is so big and not able to actually enjoy it in the moment. You enjoyed that moment and you loved every minute of it. And it, you accomplished a humongous goal. <clears throat> and just to, like, whenever you're like, oh, it's not that big a deal now or everybody's moved on, just try to think back to like younger Al and how pumped they would be to, to see you here now. Yeah. It's a big thing. I also, can I say, I love that before you left the stage, you said, be good to each other. (laughs) I love that. I smiled so big at that. Really? Yeah. I was like, that's a beautiful thing to leave people with. I, you know, I laugh. I laugh about it. But I'm of two minds about it. You know, the comedian in me looks at that and is like, so cheesy. Oh, Al. Like, I was just, it was improvised. I was on such a high uh, about the whole thing. It didn't sound rehearsed. It, it didn't come off like this is how we, they end every set. That was not the indication at all. It came off really pure and really genuine. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. So, 
I mean, I think I, I'm of two minds, like I said. The comedian in me wants to laugh at it, but really, in the end, I think it is just, it's, it's, it's very sweet, and it's really cute, and it's, mm. and it's positive. It's good. There's nothing wrong with it. So and I am... Everything that you just said could also be said about you. <laughs> it's really genuine, and it's beautiful, and there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We, we're getting close to the end of our time, but we end by me giving the guest a genuine okay. compliment. Okay, can I give you one back? You are allowed to if you wish, but it is not a required part of the format at all, so feel no pressure. There okay. doesn't have to be any reciprocation. I just want to give you a genuine compliment. Okay. <clears throat> okay so I would say to you, um, you are very unique in this very positive way where you stand out on every show that you're on. You stand out in every room that you're in, but not in a bad way at all. Like not in a like, look, that person, you know, like it's not, it's never like that. It's just that you have this really um, sparkling personality and energy about you. Um, and it changes the air in the room that you're in. And uh, I also, I so admire about you that you have this like beautiful childlike quality when you're on stage and that you really see that element of play and you can tell that you're really enjoying it and that you are, I would say more than most comedians I know, very present when you are on stage, which is a really difficult thing to do. And something that I really admire because I'm not as good at that. And that you're very able to like play around in the moment, but none of it is um, forced at all. You just, uh, it seems more like, how would I describe it? Like uh, you getting on stage is you getting in the river and you're just sort of like, okay, I surrender to the current. Like yeah. wherever, the, wherever <laughs> the river takes us, that's where I'm going and I'm not gonna paddle hard against the current, I'm just gonna go with it. Um, and I think that that's a really beautiful, really like free quality to see in a performer and in a person. You're just like, you're a very warm and and genuine person and uh, just like 100% good vibes, <laughs> for lack of a better term, like you just have a very positive energy and uh, like are just a really sweet and kind person. And it, it's really clear to me and probably to everybody that it's, it's not an artifice, you know, like it's not something that you put on, I'm gonna put on my nice guy suit to make people like me, you know, like, it's who you are. You just have a, yeah. really, a kind heart, and you can see that. Oh man, Tracy, you should rename this podcast to "Fighting Tears" because <laughs> <laughs> that's been my entire experience for this full hour. Is just fighting tears. We'll make the poster like two teardrops wearing boxing gloves. <laughs> yeah, I think that's <laughs> I, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, I mean. Uh, just to, I mean, to reiterate everything I've said about you, like, I, I just, yeah, I think, I think you are, you are so important. And this, and this, this podcast is so important because uh, it's a great way of connecting to people. It's a great way of relating to people. It's a great, I'm sure it's really cathartic to a lot of people who are struggling with a lot of things internally. 
and and you are so good at giving voice to a lot of the things that make people insecure and and you have just this comforting way of engaging with it and bringing it out into light and 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 changing it for the better you're just you're not only important in a general sense but especially in a comedy community that is rife with depression and maladjustment and poor defense mechanisms you you give all these broken people a space to work on themselves and that is so rare and that is so profoundly important and special and uh, I'm just grateful that you exist first of all and I'm grateful especially that you're in Toronto and in an in accessible proximity to all of us we're all just better people for having you in our lives and you so make me all teary thank you Al <laughs> <laughs> that's really really nice <laughs> Fighting tears. I love, Tracy. I love the work. Yeah. I love doing this. And uh, and, I, and I think you're a brilliant comedian too. Sorry, I had to I had to oh, interrupt. I, I think you're funny as shit. Thank you. I think you're funny as shit. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. What were you saying? Oh, not at all. I, I was just saying I I love doing this and I love getting to talk to people like you. And that like a lot of the time with us comedians, like we see each other in green rooms and we see each other at shows and stuff, but you don't really get a lot of time to sit down and have like a one-on-one heart-to-heart talk with somebody. Uh, and I've loved getting to have this talk with you. Me too. Thank you. When, when we see each other, if it's cool with you and cool with uh, the code, I'm going to give you a big hug. The biggest hug. The absolute yeah. biggest hug. Absolutely. And to our listeners, go be nice to yourself. And remember that love is everywhere.